Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Welcome to the Jason in the House podcast. This is Jason Chaffetz, and I really do appreciate it. You're going to love this podcast. You're going to be amazed by uh, the information that's going to be released here because Peter Schweitzer, who uh, heads up the Government Accountability Institute. Now, full disclosure, I'm part of the Government Accountability Institute, but Peter Schweitzer heads this up, and he's known for doing these books and these research that really dive deep into issues um, and as an investigative journalist, exposes things like nobody else out there. Now, having been the former chairman of the Oversight Committee, I'm really attracted to this type of stuff. So I'm very uh, compatible with and, and very intrigued by all of this. So Peter Schweitzer's got this book. It just came out. It was number one on Amazon. I'm sure it's going to win all kinds of awards. It's going to be that kind of impactful uh, book uh, in the marketplace. So we're going to have a discussion with with Peter, and I want to get right after it. But, you know, I talk a little bit about the news real quick, highlight the stupid, because there's always somebody doing something stupid somewhere. And then we'll have the full conversation with Peter and talk about oh, the critical things that he's exposing in the, in the, in the book, uh, Blood Money. But first, let's talk a little bit about the news. So uh, coming up this week is the State of the Union. Now, the State of the Union, usually in February, usually on a Tuesday, for whatever reason, this one is Thursday, March 7th. Uh, some of you may have listened to this podcast after March 7th, but I'm recording it. Uh, it's it's days before uh, the, the actual um, State of the Union. And these are pivotal. I mean, if you look through the nation's history, I remember growing up as a kid and seeing these and listening to the pronouncement, you know, the president of the United States and both sides are there and they're clapping. It brings the nation together. Um, of course, there's contention. When you get to policy, I think it's very important that, yeah, one side stands and applauds, the other doesn't um, and vice versa. And But there are times and moments where the nation really should come together and recognize ordinary Americans who do extraordinary things. Showing support for our troops, for our first responders, that is paramount. Now, I witnessed the Trump derangement syndrome and watched a whole bunch of people, primarily Democrats, I think all Democrats, not all of the Democrats, but all the people who protested were Democrats, who would not stand or clap when the president said anything about some of the first responders or people serving in the military. And I, I, that, I hope, stops. And I hope Republicans will actually, you know, when, when good things are said and recognized, that's a time to stand and applaud and show that, hey, yeah, we can stand united. We are the United States of America. But all eyes are really going to be on Joe Biden. Does he have the tenacity? Does he have the vigor? Does he have the cognitive capability to read a teleprompter for, 
you know, most of these things are going probably an hour and 15 minutes uh, with applause and everything else. I think this will be on the shorter end of it. I think there's going to be a lot of question marks about his stamina and his ability to get through it. He's gotten through it in the past, but he continues to decline. And, you know, does he stumble? Does he... Um, does he uh, ad lib the wrong way? Now, clearly, people make mistakes, but I think this is on high alert, if you will, with this president, given everything that's happened and all of the reporting that's come out about this. That any just walking up to and from the podium, I think, is going to be a in part a question mark. It's in the House of Representatives where I served. It's sloped. And it's not a natural um, flat surface. And um, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll anxious to see what happens there. But this is an important time. It's going to consume pretty much all of the news as it should, um, because it is such an important, you know, once a year event. I've attended multiples. I think I attended all eight of the Barack Obama ones, a couple of the Trump ones. It's just. It, as a former member of Congress, I could also go and and uh, sit there on the floor. And it is an amazing event. Um, all right. Time to highlight the stupid because, you know what, there's always somebody doing something stupid somewhere. And we're going to go to the Pittsburgh Police Department. Um, this may just be a reflection of reality. Uh, but I think if you're living in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, you got to be pretty outraged by this uh, because police officers evidently, according to FoxNews.com, police officers in Pittsburgh will no longer respond to lower priority calls um, where they believe you do not require an in-person uh, response. And so I wanted to see what would not require an in-person response. Here's some of the on the list. Field calls for theft, harassment, criminal mischief, and burglary, burglar alarms. They, according to the Pittsburgh police, do not believe that that. Now, imagine, I can't imagine um, somebody in my family and the, the alarms going off in the house and calling the police and they're not coming over um, to check it out and see what's happening. I... You know, that's part of the service that I pay for as a citizen. And um, somebody's harassing uh, me or my family. You're telling me the police are not going to respond? Guess what? I'm going to go get my shotgun then. I don't think this is going to be a healthy uh, response from the citizens. It may be a reality of a dwindling police department and a, a feckless police chief and city council and maybe a county sheriff, who knows, who just isn't putting the resources in. But, oh, my goodness, folks, that sounds like a pretty stupid plan and not something that's going to come off very well by going out and saying, oh, we're only going to respond to, you know, medical situations or if there's an actual fight going on um, or a person has a gun. Those all require police assets and resources. But, whoa, look out. That sounds a little stupid. All right, I want to get right after it with Peter Schweitzer here because you know what? He's got a new book out, and I've had the pleasure of going through this book, and it is amazing. It's called Blood Money, Why the Powerful Turn a Blind Eye While China Kills Americans. Yikes. Um, you know him from a lot of his other books, Clinton Cash and others. He's just done an amazing work. 
What I really appreciate about Peter Schweitzer is the amount of research that he does in order to get behind this. And it's so well, not just thought out, but so well researched along the way. So I'm sitting down actually in person with Peter Schweitzer. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> uh, it's great to be here, Jason. Thanks so much for having me. Now, look, I do some work with the Government Accountability Institute. You're the president of this organization. Yeah. But um, look, you have, through the decades now, uh, earned a reputation well well deserved for your impeccable research and looking back at what's really going on. And this, I'm excited for this book because I think there's going to be a lot of jaws dropping to the ground like, oh my gosh, Like I thought that maybe was happening, but you lay it out in such great detail. So congratulations on the book and thanks for joining me with sitting here talking about it and uh, tell us, why did you focus on this? In the whole universe of everything, yeah. you decided to focus on this. Tell us about the book what it is, but why you decided to focus on it. Yeah, it's a good question, Jason. I mean, there's there so many things you can spend your time investigating. You did that when you were chairman of the House Oversight Committee. So many things to uncover. I really pursued this book because I, I, I've looked around over the last several years, and there just seems to be so much tumult in America, so much turmoil, and things just seem to be shifting, and sometimes it's not always clear why things are shifting and changing. We've got social chaos. We've got all these strange debates about what is a man and what is a woman, and I wanted to try to figure out what was behind that, and what I came to to realize through the research is that, yes, there, there are things forces within our society that have led to this term this uh, tumult and this turmoil but actually in a really strange but compelling and troubling way china has a hand in a lot of what we're do a lot of what we're facing i'm not saying they're responsible for it but the 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 image that i kind of have in my mind is that america's on fire china's holding an empty gasoline can right and our leaders aren't saying anything about it uh, because when you look at a lot of the problems we're facing today, China is exacerbating. They're trying to uh, apply accelerants to create greater social division in America. They're doing a lot of things that are leading to the deaths of Americans. Um, and that's, I think, the big hidden story that a lot but of people why? are missing. Why, why do they want to do that? Well, so they have a, a strategy. Um, sometimes it's called unrestricted warfare. Sometimes it's called disintegration warfare. Uh, and basically what it means is we want to try to defeat our enemies without actually fighting them. Uh, in other words, we want to maintain good relations while we're effectively stabbing them in the back. Um, and so they did that. And you saw that during the COVID era, for example. Um, you know, I have a whole section in the book on how they actually added to our body count by information they chose not to share with us. The fact that they were hoarding masks and PPE supplies when they were telling the world, you don't have to worry about it. This disease is not transferable from human to human. They knew it was. And they went out and bought up all the masks around the world. So we face a shortage. So they do a lot of things that are designed to weaken and um, damage the United States because they think they can defeat us without actually firing a shot. Yeah, I mean, that's always been the concern, right? Was, was it President Lincoln who said, you know, that, that the only way to defeat us is from within? Yeah. It was something, yeah, it, yeah. that's not the exact quote, but uh, that that's the concern. And so, you know, there's a lot of things with the flow of drugs and fentanyl. Um, TikTok and and you know we just had a couple was it just two weeks ago uh, the FBI director Ray talking about the Chinese yeah. hackers could wreak havoc on the United States. Um, 
But they're also a big trading partner of ours. They want U.S. dollars. They do. But they also want a weak America, right? They want a weak America. And, you know, I quote in the book uh, a lot of documents that we have turned, uh, obtained internally from uh, China. Uh, they say that the, the, the tumult going on in the United States is sapping America of its energy. Um, and so you look at, like, what's, what's, what's going on in, in uh, the cyberspace world. I mean, the FBI Director Ray was talking about cyber hacking. I think an even more damaging, troubling thing that China's doing is... They are purposely trying to exaggerate the debate in America uh, by infiltrating social media. And this has been you know, well established by lots of research. I talk about it in the book. Uh, but what they basically do is they have farms um, you know, where they have guys sitting behind terminals, thousands of them, and they are running fake social media accounts in the United States. They're doing it on Instagram. They're doing it on uh, you know, what used to be called Twitter, uh, on all these platforms. And I kid you not, Jason, half of them are running accounts that say America is a hopelessly racist, bigoted society. And the other half are running accounts that say, I only like white people. I don't like minorities. And they're they're putting this stuff in our cyberspace because they want to have an extreme, exaggerated debate. They want to sow racial division in the United States. And these are hundreds of thousands to millions of accounts that are being managed. Um, and, and it is influencing the debate. These things get amplified. People go on social media and they think, gosh, I guess there are a lot of people that think this is a racist society. Again, I'm not saying that's that's all. All that's going on, but but they are certainly amplifying the extreme part of the debate because they want to have racial division in our country. So, but how is this funded? I mean, is it's not is it coming directly from the 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 Chinese or? They kind of run some misdirection, don't they, on this? They do. Um, so there are uh, radical groups in the United States that were involved in the BLM movement in, in 2020, uh, behind a lot of the violence, a lot of the burning buildings. Uh, those same groups are now involved in the protests in favor of Hamas. Uh, and what do they? those issues have in common? Well, both of those are of interest to China. So these groups, one of them is called PSL, the other one is FRSO. Um, these groups are financed um, in part uh, by China. Now, it's done in kind of a, 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 a you know, interesting way. Um, so there is a, a, an American uh, a billionaire um, who's a billionaire because the Chinese bought his company who now lives in China. His name is Roy Singham. And Roy Singham has put more than $100 million into radical causes in the United States. Uh, and these are the very radical causes. America's a racist society. We need a violent overthrow of our country because of capitalism. Um, so what the Chinese did was they made this guy a billionaire by buying his business. He moved to China from the United States, uh, and he is now financing these activities in the United States. And they get to say, hey, it's an American yeah, that's behind this. Exactly, exactly. It's it's, it's a very sort of clever way to do it. When you look at some of the other left-wing groups out there that, that know these organizations well, they, they will say explicitly, I quote them in the book, these organizations take their marching orders from China. Uh, they take very pro-China positions. The leadership of these American groups, uh, in some cases, have traveled to China. In China, they track the activities of these groups and report them to the Central Committee of the Chinese Communist Party. So there's this interweaving 
um, of the two. Um, and it is something that causes a lot of turmoil in the United States. We saw that in 2020, and we're seeing that now. The big protests they had, the sort of pro-Hamas protests they had in Washington, D.C., uh, 500,000 people showed up. They sort of shut down the National Mall. It was organized by these groups, and these groups, several PSL members, this small, tight-knit pro-Chinese groups, actually addressed the entire crowd of half a million people. It's pretty brazen to just go out there and do it. and not, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad you've uncovered that. And if you read through the book, this Blood Money book you're you'll see the details the specificity that is that's that's so needed so these hamas groups and in tiktok let's get into tiktok yeah. a little bit because i mean there's been a lot of discussion that hey tiktok is a chinese tool yeah but a lot of people are you know and then they run ads out there that say <laughs> you you know my farm wouldn't be i wouldn't be able to sell my whatever they're selling you know and i'm a doctor and i wouldn't be able to tell people about all the good i do if not for right. tiktok right yeah no it's it's tiktok's a huge problem and i think what we show conclusively in the book is that this is a company that is run by the ccp uh it's run by the the uh, chinese uh, uh state security um the headquarters of the company are not that far from the headquarters uh bike dance which is the parent company of tiktok they own and control tiktok um actually uh is doing artificial intelligence research with the Chinese Ministry of State Security. And yet this is the same company that has access to our children. Um, and what I think is the most fascinating part of the TikTok section is we actually got access to documents from the Chinese propaganda ministry. They actually have a ministry of propaganda. And while we're having this debate in this country, Jason, about, well, you know, what are the Chinese doing with TikTok? Is it is it, you know, actually spreading propaganda? There's no debate in China. They're bragging about the fact that they use TikTok and they talk explicitly about the methods that work the best. Uh, they say, you know, younger people are easier to uh, uh, to influence through propaganda, but you have to be subtle about it, and you should appeal to their emotions. You, you know, you don't want to have you know pictures of Chairman Mao. You want to appeal to collectivist values. You want to appeal to their emotional uh, uh, views because when you appeal to them on an emotional level and they embrace it. They take ownership of it, and they now think that this idea that they actually got from the Chinese propagandists is now their idea. So it's really studling and subtle and, and, and scary when you look at how they describe they are using TikTok to capture our youth. But, you know, you got I, there was a lady I have great respect for, a good friend. Yeah. She's like, I don't care that I can make a better, cooler video to make myself look better, and I want to have more people follow me. Yeah. And they're not really stealing my information. Oh, they probably already have it anyway. Yeah. What's your response to that kind of approach? Because, yeah. I mean, the pervasiveness of TikTok is stunning. Oh, it is. And it's now the biggest single news source for people under 30. This is where they go for their information. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's like the old line, TikTok may, you, you may not be interested in TikTok, but TikTok is interested in you. Um, what I would say, the solution is not to ban TikTok. In my mind, the solution is what Trump you know, initiated in 2020, which was force the sale to an American company. Because if you ban TikTok, you are going to have other entities arise. For me, the problem is twofold. One, you have a problem with tech companies in general, and there needs to be work done there to make sure they're not abusing their power. But I think TikTok is in a category by itself. I don't trust Microsoft, but I 
don't trust to a much higher degree the Chinese Communist Party. So I think a forced sale is the right to go. In other words, then people would have access to the platform, the video, but you would not have this level of control. Because the way it stands right now, the editorial control for TikTok is managed by by ByteDance, the parent company. And the senior executives in that company came from where? The Chinese Ministry of Propaganda. They literally control the editorial policy. And anybody to think that that there's no connection here is is not interested in the truth as far as I'm concerned. Let's move a little bit because that's so nefarious but you know one of the things that's killing americans in mass is fentanyl yeah and there's a lot of discussion a lot of families that you know some are people that are addicted to drugs and using it and getting a lethal dose yeah other people are just you know hey let me just try this for the first time but it's pervasive i mean by the tens of thousands of people people are dying because of fentanyl yeah um but what the research in your book shows is it is mysteriously quiet on the political front on political leaders wanting to fight back against this. But you also follow the trail of how the Chinese are involved in the fentanyl trade. Walk yeah. us through that. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, fentanyl to me is is in a sense the perfect weapon uh, for China because uh, some people want to categorize it as, well, it's just kind of a drug addiction problem. And there are people that just take straight right. fentanyl, but it's a very, very small minority. The vast majority of people that are dying of fentanyl poisoning don't even know they're taking fentanyl. Right. It can be a college kid who's going to their friend and saying, you know, I'm, I'm studying for this exam. Do you have any Adderall? Yeah, sure. Here's an Adderall. Well, it's an Adderall that you know, they bought on a street or somebody else gave them and it's not real Adderall. It's made by the Mexican cartel. So most of the people that die of fentanyl poisoning don't know that they're taking it. That's the first thing that, that, that we have to recognize. The second thing is the body count is enormous. We lose every year more people to fentanyl poisoning than the Japanese that died at the bombing of Nagasaki. Uh, it's the equivalent to an aircraft, uh, a jet with 300 people being shot down every single day, 365 days a year. We suffer more deaths every year from fentanyl poisoning than died all the combat deaths from Vietnam forward to the present day. Wow. Every single year. So it's it's an enormous. And when you look at the, the, the chain of China's involvement you see that this is a Chinese operation. Now, people know about the precursors, right? The precursor chemicals that make fentanyl come from China. But China's involvement is much deeper than that. The the fentanyl precursors, you know, 90% of it comes to a port in, in Mexico called Manzanillo. And people say, well, why can't we just stop the precursors there? Well, the problem is the port there is run by a Chinese company, not a Mexican company, not an American company. So the precursors arrive, they're sent to a town in northern Mexico where 2,000 Chinese nationals basically operate as chemists and put the precursors together to make the fentanyl. You now have pure fentanyl that's being produced for the cartels. But now you need to embed it into pills, into a fake Vicodin or a fake Adderall. You need pill presses and you need the little molds to actually make it look like a Vicodin. Where do the cartels get that from? They get that all from China. And I have government documents, I quote from them them in the book, the Chinese sell those at below cost to the cartels. Why would they not want to price gouge them and make as much money as possible? Very interesting question. But they use these pill presses to create the pills that then are smuggled across the border 
and kill thousands of Americans every year. And the cartels, when they're operating in the United States, they need two other things where China's involved. Number one, they need secure communications. Well, they use apps like WeChat and others that are Chinese-based apps because they know that the Chinese government will not share cartel communications with U.S. law enforcement. And then the final component is money laundering. You made all this money from selling drugs. How do you launder the money? It used to be the cartels, you know, El Chapo and these guys would would launder the money in Latin American banks. They now launder their money largely through Chinese state-owned banks. So they're involved in every single chain of operation involving fentanyl. And to me, it is the most potent weapon, the most successful peacetime attack on any country that any that has ever been executed in human history, as far as I'm concerned. You're listening to Jason in the House. We'll be back with more of my conversation with Peter Schweitzer right after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Now, look, you do good research. You work with a lot of very smart people, but you're accessing public information in order to get to it. We have people in powerful positions who are silent on this stuff. Yeah. I mean, do we ever hear President Biden talking about it or Adam Schiff or AOC? Or, they're dead silent on that. Yeah, yeah. What, what did you find there? Because I, this part of the book in Blood Money is just, it's stunning. Yeah, I think it's, there are a couple of things at work here. I think that, that there are some politicians who don't talk about this because if what is said in the book is true, and it is true, it's all you know based on factual research, we can't have a normal relationship with China. Right. You know, any country that's doing this to you can't say, well, let's have another talk about trade. These issues have to be addressed. And some political figures don't want to have to make difficult decisions or, you know, difficult statements. So that explains some of it. But there are very specific cases I highlight in the book. Guys like Adam Schiff, guys like uh, uh, President of the United States, Joe Biden, guys like Governor Avin, Avin, uh, Gavin Newsom of California, who have financial entanglements that bring them pretty close to the fentanyl trade, um, you know, and that I think is a enormous problem. They don't want to have a conversation about, for example, Chinese money laundering in the United States because they have donors or they have businessmen who have given them money who are connected to that activity and so it would be me, enormously embarrassing like an example of that give me an example of how this would work or how it is working so uh joe biden a lot of people know that the biden family uh has taken money from uh individuals overseas um and i always think it's important to look at who's giving them the money because that may inform why the money is being right. given and why certain uh, issues are being avoided uh the biden's got five million dollars from a chinese businessman uh named chairman yi Biden personally worked for him. He said, I am his representative in the United States. Um, 
who is Chairman Yi? He was a Chinese quote unquote energy executive. He was also business partners with a gentleman who goes by the name White Wolf. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say anybody who calls themselves White Wolf is not a guy you want to be doing business with. But Chairman Yi, who gave a $5 million forgivable loan that's never been paid to the Biden family, Chairman Yi was business partners with White Wolf. White Wolf is the leader of a criminal gang who set up the Sinaloa cartel in the fentanyl trade. And the Sinaloa cartel, they are the kings of the fentanyl trade. So you literally have, Jason, one degree of separation between the largest fentanyl operation in the world and the family, the first family of the United States. And that one person is this Chairman Yi, who gave them $5 million. Wow. And yet, when President Biden goes and meets with the Chinese, or has interaction with the Chinese, they never bring up fentanyl. No. They, they, they don't bring up fentanyl, and, and when his administration does, we had the Secretary of State go on uh, uh, CBS News and give an interview and say, you know, we talked to the Chinese, I've talked to the Chinese about fentanyl, but there's no finger pointing, which, how are you having a conversation, no finger pointing? And then he suggested, literally, that some of the, the precursors were being shipped from China by accident, to Mexico. I mean, this is what you're getting from the Biden administration. And I think it's because they do not want to have a conversation about this topic because it comes perilously close to the first family. It does. And then you wonder why, hey, we look, we've got open borders. They're not able to secure the borders. And there's this massive surge of people coming across the borders. It's how they get their product against across the border. Yeah, every once in a while we'll catch something here and there, and hats off to the Border Patrol. But they're not able to do their job because they're so overwhelmed yeah. with this policy that Biden has put in place to open up these borders. And then they can get it into the to the hands of Americans who, unfortunately, are consuming these products. Yeah, exactly. It's a problem with the drugs. It's also the board's also a problem with um, this device. People may or may not have heard about it called a Glock switch. It's a small device that you attach to a Glock handgun. Um, they are actually smuggling these across the border as well. Uh, these are Chinese companies that work with the cartels uh, who produce these devices. And what do these devices do, Jason? They turn a normal Glock handgun into to a machine gun and these are being sold illegal in the united states. yeah absolutely illegal in the united states illegal in mexico illegal in china uh all these places right. but they're being marketed according to dea explicitly to criminal gangs in the united states thousands of them uh and this is again part of what china's doing How do we know this How, where does that information we about? we know this from uh dhs from dea documents this started occurring 2018 in 2020 uh, there were reports from DEA, I quote the documents in the book, uh, describing how they were reaching a saturation point. And American cities have seen this massive rise in machine gun fire. It's, it's like the old gangster movies from yeah. the 1930s. You know, it's gone up by 5,000%, the, the, the examples of machine gun fire in America's largest cities. And it's because these Chinese entities are getting these devices to criminal organizations in the United States. They, they've mailed them to them. In other words, they advertise them on Alibaba in the English language, by the way, and say, buy these, we'll send them to you. And now as the, the um, Customs and Border Patrol has gotten better at intercepting some of those packages because they know what they look like, they're now starting to smuggle them across the border. It's the exact same playbook they had with fentanyl. 
Yeah, what's interesting is in the cities, they have, I can't remember what the names of them are called, but they actually have listening machines in big cities. Shot spotter. It's called shot, shot spotter. spotter. Yeah. Yeah. And they can actually hear if a gunshot yeah. is fired or not. And that's how they come up with these statistics. Yeah. Because they can actually tell when something doing a rapid fire like a machine gun. Exactly right. And then they're able to tell what's going on. Way outmanning your average, you know, police who's, you know, on the street or on the beat in L.A. Yeah. or even in these big cities. I mean, you're a police officer in New York, L.A., you know, Philly. You you see a lot of stuff. These guys are tough. These men and yeah. women are, they're, they're tough. Yeah. But when you're going against a weapon like that, it, it's just totally out outmanning them. And it, it is. coming from China, and there's no repercussion. Yeah. Now... Again, part of the mystery here is why nobody talks about it. Dive into the Gavin Newsom tie here, because Gavin, yeah. you yeah. know, he's Mr. You know, Slick, uh, Governor <laughs> uh, Newsom, uh, he, holier than anybody. But what what is the tie here? Because we're not suggesting that he's involved in fentanyl trade yeah. or the gun trade or anything. But the proximity to the money is pretty Reveal. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Gavin Newsom, he has a long-time association with known members of Chinese organized crime. And I don't say that lightly. It goes back to his time when he was mayor of San Francisco. Uh, he had a guy on his transition team uh, that ended up going to jail because he was part of a murder-for-hire plot hmm. for Chinese organized crime, a Chinese organized crime network involved in the drug trade, as that individual was. Uh, you look at who Gavin Newsom appointed as the head of Economic development for in Chinatown uh, in San Francisco. He appointed a guy that, lo and behold, was a dragon head in Chinese organized crime. When he was killed, um, the guy that eventually was involved, discovered to have killed him, ended up being another acquaintance of Gavin Newsom's. Um, when Gavin Newsom opened up something called China SF, which was designed to bring Chinese investment into the Bay Area um, as mayor of San Francisco, who did he pick? as his partner on China. He picked a guy named Vincent Lowe, who just happens to be widely reported linked to Chinese organized crime in multiple ways. And lo and behold, some of the companies that, that got help from the mayor's office, this mayor's initiative to set up shop in San Francisco are companies that are linked to Chinese organized crime. So this is a long history with Gavin Newsom. So when he looks at, you know, the issue of fentanyl, he went to, to, to China, you know, six months ago for a visit. Um, he didn't bring up fentanyl. He, he mentioned it, but he also again said, I don't want to do any finger pointing. Right. And Californians are being killed by the hundreds, by the hundreds, uh, by the thousands every year. Uh, and Gavin Newsom seems uninterested in the source of this. Also, what I think is interesting is uh, the lack of interest that AOC and, and Adam Schiff have. I mean, yeah. Adam Schiff, you know, he's, he was the chairman of the Intel Committee. Yeah. The guy has access to information if he needs it. Yeah, but rare to none does he ever bring up fentanyl or talk about. It. And remember, his congressional district in Southern California is the home of Hollywood and a lot of media moguls and whatnot. But he is mysteriously absent from any of this discussion as well. Yeah, he is. I mean, if you look at um, from 2016 to the present, uh, the number of fentanyl poisonings in his district has gone up 1,400 mm. percent. Uh, it's really ground zero. You have high school kids that are overdosing. Uh, because of this stuff. Uh, and again, you know, Adam Schiff, if you look at his record when he was chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, 
he really did not talk about China, China's involvement with fentanyl at all. If you go to his website, his congressional website, there's one mention of fentanyl. Uh, at the time of the writing in the book, over a six-year period, one mention of fentanyl. Now, there were lots of statements about the, the um, you know, uh, other uh, illnesses that were occurring uh, that had, you know, claimed one or two uh, people. Uh, he talked about those, uh, uh, you know, repeatedly, but he stays away from the issue of fentanyl. And I think one of the reasons is because he has these entanglements. He has entanglements with individuals that are involved, have been involved in money laundering. Uh, in his district that gave him donations, $100,000 in campaign contributions, introduced him to Saudi princes, uh, uh, connected with him, that he took $100,000 campaign donations from. At the time, it was known that this company was under FBI investigation. Um, so does he really want to have a conversation about what China's doing, about the issue of money laundering and how to tackle uh, fentanyl? I think the answer is no, because it's deeply embarrassing to him. Well, it's deeply embarrassing for the United States of America. Such easy pickings for the Chinese with nefarious yeah. intent to yeah. to want to go after this and do this. And uh, let's go back to, to Mexico for, for a second. Yeah. You know, I saw couple months ago, the Secretary of Homeland Security, Secretary of, of um, State, went down to meet with the Mexican president. Now, at the time, just based on my gut, uh, as an opinion, I felt like, are they really meeting with the right people? <laughs> like, I, I don't know that the Mexican government necessarily controls the border, controls right. the northern part of Mexico. I get the sense that the drug cartels are much more in control, um, and they have the firepower and the financial incentives um, if you're going to park roughly 2,000 Chinese in any one city in northern Mexico, somebody's going to know about this, yeah. right? Yeah. I, so, what are what are your impressions? What do you? I mean, am I off track there, or is that the right? No, I, I think you're exactly right. I mean, one of the things, the way I structured the book is I have four parts, and each one of the parts is titled based off of a, a traditional Chinese stratagem. The, you know, the, the strategist everybody knows, Sun Tzu, is still studied. Every Everybody that joins the Chinese the military, yeah. yeah, Art of War, is required to read his book, The Art of War. Um, and the stratagems emphasize cleverness and deception, and one of those is uh, murder with a borrowed knife. In other words, if you can kill your enemy and actually it appears you have no involvement in killing your enemy, that's the way to do it because you're not going to be blamed. And I think if you look at the way China is handling fentanyl through Mexico, it is murder with a borrowed knife. Because what is the focus of most of our leaders in Washington, D.C.? Mexico. We have to deal with Mexico. We have to deal with the cartels. Well, the fentanyl crisis really emerged in the Obama administration because the Chinese first were mailing it to uh, drug operators in the United States. They would just get a you know a parcel. They'd stick the fentanyl in there. They'd mail it. We figured out how to detect that. The, the, the postal and, and customs people did a great job. So what did they do? They switched to Mexico. If we go into Mexico, they will find alternative routes. The headwaters of this, the source of this, it's not Mexico. It's not the drug cartels. It is Beijing, China. They are the ones that organize it, protect it. The fact that they will not share cartel communications with us, that, that all these uh, Mexican cartel leaders are using Chinese apps because they know that they're secure, that's the root of the problem, not Mexico itself. 
Yeah, it, it is interesting. On, on Mexico, with the drug cartels, they are getting so stinking rich. I mean, yeah. I, I could not think of a better scenario to enrich. And yet, you never hear this administration talking about who is the Sinaloa cartel? Who are these people? Like, who are they going after? And right. I, rare to none, do you ever hear of an arrest yeah. of anybody? Yeah. I mean, they, these people are just raking it in by the billions of dollars. Yeah. And yet we have people in political spots that could actually do something. I, I see that FBI's and Homeland Security is pretty feckless on this stuff. Yeah, they're, they're, they're focusing on other issues. And look, the, the, the Trump administration tried on fentanyl uh, to confront China. And there was legislation passed that actually uh, sanctions Chinese you know, uh, officials that get caught in the fentanyl trade. But it's really toothless and it's really low-end people by and large. But consider one single case that we know about. There was a, a, a guy who was a, um, a connected to the CCP, high-ranking official, went by the nickname Broken Tooth. They all have these great names, White Wolf White and Wolf. Broken Tooth. But yes. Broken Tooth is like a real guy. He was involved in the fentanyl trade, was sanctioned by the United States. You can't do business in the United States. What happened? He gave a speech um, where he was given an award by the CCP. So this is after he is uh, condemned by the United States for being involved in the fentanyl trade. He's given an award by the CCP. And during his speech, he talks about proudly about the fact that his involvement with organized crime and the fentanyl trade is his way of helping China in its competition with the United States. China does not take this seriously because we won't confront them about it. And Jason, think about it. Imagine if the roles were reversed. Right. If we were doing that, do we really think Beijing would would give this kind of limp-wristed response that we're getting from the Biden administration? No, they would be in our faces saying no normal relationship with you until you stop doing this to our people. Yeah, you send a Bible over there. Heaven forbid you'd you know you'd be in yeah. violation of the law and exactly. everything else. And yeah. so, let alone by sending things that would be killing their population and america you better we need to wake up we need to actually stand up for ourselves yeah open border policy allows this types of things to happen the lack of prosecution and then political leaders with these ties that just seem to go right over people's heads yeah i think that communications tool though being able to talk to america in mass that would have never happened with the soviet union if no i think the example i heard you say when we were together earlier today is Mm. Would we have ever allowed the Soviet Union or the Russians to buy CBS News? Right, <laughs> right, exactly. To no, have it'd be a crazy. Conduit. It'd be crazy. They would never allow it to do it. And yet, TikTok, again, which is a, a company, its parent company, is literally doing research on online political manipulation and artificial intelligence with the Chinese Ministry of State Security. Yeah. But what they're telling us, oh, trust us with your kids. Yeah. Trust us with your kids. It's it's astounding. And then naive family who says, yeah, but they, it's really cool the way it makes my cat look. <laughs> right. <laughs> my cat has sparkles on it. Right, right, I, right. Know, look at how cool that is. I mean, it's amazing how just falling and taking the bait along the way. Um, what else should we know about the book? Well, I think the, the, the thing that people, I think, need to realize is a lot of the tumult going on in America today, um, yes, we have differences, we have divisions, but it is being fueled and being fanned by uh, the, the Chinese. Um, you know, I, I might have mentioned earlier, two of the biggest donors to the trans movement in America today are actually Chinese billionaires. 
Um, they're not trans themselves. They don't have kids that are trans, and they don't advocate for these you know, rights or these issues in China. They only right. advocate for them in the United States. So there's a lot of stuff that is being fueled and encouraged by China, and it is a very explicit strategy. I quote from their military documents and their military journals, they call it disintegration warfare um, or unrestricted warfare. And the idea is the best way to defeat your enemy is by not actually fighting him, by 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 pitting him against, right. uh, against himself. And that, I think, is the underlying theme. This is a time for unity. We need to be coming together around common principles. We need to recognize the China threat and we need to call out our political leaders who either lack the courage or are compromised, embarrassed by our financial dealings so that they don't want to talk about this issue because they absolutely need to be talking about this issue. Uh, Congratulations. Uh, Peter Schweitzer, the book is Blood Money, Why the Powerful Turn a Blind Eye While China Kills Americans. It's pretty direct. It's pretty uh, revealing. But the information and the data that you've gathered and the citations and the direct quotes, uh, nothing. I, I, I have never seen anything put together as comprehensive as this. And hats off to you and the whole team there at GAI because the Government Accountability Institute do amazing work yet again. So, Well, thank you, Jason. It's uh, just launched, yeah. and uh, pretty much anywhere you get a book, you can get your hands on it. So That's right. All right. I, I, I don't want to stand too close to you on the street after this comes out. <laughs> might want to get a food taster. I'm just saying. Not that there's, you know, I'm just saying. Uh, but thanks for joining me on the, the Jason in the House podcast. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Jason. All right. When you read the book, when you hear what Peter Schweitzer had to say about what's happening and not happening, it does get pretty scary. And I think if you really want to have something that's well-researched that you can document that uh, Blood Money is that type of book. He's shown that in the past with his other books and uh, some scary stuff going on in the world. But I'm telling you, their research is uh, is just second to none. And um a lot of serious allegations in that book, uh, Blood Money, but uh, I really, really encourage you to have a look. If you're into that kind of thing, you want to really understand what's happening, That's this is what it's all about, folks. And it's the type of quality work that I would hope that you know the Oversight Committee and other committees in Congress do to shed light, sunshine, on what's going on in America and around the globe and what our adversaries are trying to do to us. It really is that important. Thanks again for listening. I hope you can um, rate this podcast. Love it if you'd subscribe to it. We have somebody exciting every single week on the Jason in the House podcast. But rate it if you can. I do appreciate it. Uh, I want to remind people you can listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. You can also head on over to Fox News Podcast Network on the foxnewspodcast.com. Lots of good podcasts out there. Some of them every day, some of them weekly. Uh, Like Kennedy Saves the World, I just did that one. Janice Dean's got one. It's just, there's some really fun stuff. Trey Gowdy's got a good stuff. Will Kane's doing one every day. Check out the foxnewspodcast.com. Again, rate the podcast, review it. Really appreciate it. And join us again next week while we have another exciting guest. I'm Jason Chaffetz. This has been Jason in the House.
Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.